Okay, we're going to begin this story called Jag on the A1 at 125 mph. Now, while writing all these stories, I do wish we had taken more photographs of all the cars we owned and drove in the 1960s, 70s and 80s. Who'd have thought in those years what an interest there would be in collecting cars today? This uh, second Jaguar story is from about 1977. The first um, you can read in uh, this book that you have just mentioned is from 1973 and it's called The Blue Jag. We'd been to Faz Lane for our holidays with friends Bob and Kay. The car was running so well and oh, we were almost home. Instead of turning off at Markham Moor Island and going home through Lincoln, we decided to keep on the A1 and turn off at Newark. It was an excellent stretch of road, all dual carriageway, and on through Tuxford and down to Newark by Sutton-on-Trent and Cromwell. The whole of that memorable journey, that old car cruised at 125 mph. It could have been a Sunday evening, and we were both due for work on the Monday. The road was empty, hardly anything in either direction for the whole distance. It was during the time when speed limits had been introduced because of the oil crisis as prices are rising and inflation had arrived never to go away. We had done our bit all the way from Glasgow so for 20 miles or so we let her have a burn up. There were some grand cars but at that time we just had them and used them never imagined they would ever become collector's items. The marketplace now in 2017, as I write this, has gone wild for older classic cars. Prices have become far too high for the everyday family man to buy something really unusual and use it. Looking back, we normally paid around 40 to a maximum of £150 for a second-hand car. They were easy to find and running costs were low too. In the 1960s, of course, petrol was around five gallons for a pound at the new jet petrol garages. It wasn't until the 1970s that, following the Arab oil crisis, fuel prices and everything else began to rise, pushed by a new feature in all our lives, inflation. A good wage in 1968 was £27 a week, but that was soon to change. Faz Lane again. We went to Faz Lane once more. It could even have been the following year. This time, though, we took Bamboozle, our Merlin, Merlin rocket dinghy. We towed her all the way behind the Jaguar and all the way back again. While there, though, we had fun sailing in Gairlock, right next door to the actual nuclear submarine base. We stayed with Bob and Kay, as I mentioned. The first time Bob was with us, and Helen, too, lashed to the mast. The little boat is built for two people to sail, and sail competitively. It's a fast boat, and needs fast handling. Helen was tied to the foot of the mast, in her life jacket, with her reins. Just just there she was safe from the boom crossing over quickly and could not be under our feet. Bob and Ruth managed the foresail and I did my bit with the main and steering. The large expanse of open water was superb. 
Uninterrupted wind and open water was a sailing dream. That is until we came too close to the base itself, encouraged by Bob, and we were chased away by a fast patrol boat. <laughs> a couple of days later we were sailing in the same area, but this time with Ruth's cousin, Nicola, who was a wren, also based at Faz Lane Submarine Base. Bob entertained us in the evenings with his stories of submarine life, um, the most notable of which took place after he had spent two years on shore and was then posted back to the boats. He'd spent two good years at home enjoying his wife's excellent cooking. Now the time came to get into a submarine once more, he could not get down the conning tower hatch. The worm took its toll and eventually ravaged underneath of that lovely old Mark II Jag and as values were nothing like today we just sold it for scrap. FNL6L was the next Jaguar. It came in about 1978 after we had begun the Univel contract. It was a Mark I XJ6 and came from local Jaguar specialist Austin Monks. It cost a lot more than what we usually paid for. We were the second owners, the first being a local chemist in Spilsby. We thoroughly enjoyed everything about this car. It went to France with us before being sold to help fund the development of our business. It was following this second hand following it was followed by a second hand Audi Mark I, which we were, we were delighted with even after the sumptuous Jag. The Audi was a real pleasure to drive. We're turning the page. This was followed by a Volvo 145, not popular with Ruth as the seats were too hard and her feet would not touch the floor, but that car went to France as well. All this time Ruth had her own car, an MGB Roadster in dark green. We both enjoyed driving this one, the first of our modern MGs. Some lease cars followed, worked in with the contract leasing of our modern, more modern lorry fleet. The Peugeot 504 Family Estate diesel was an excellent car and we used it for three good years. Its replacement, one of the same model as they had proved to be so practical, was a Friday car and its coming coincided with the end of our Unirail contract and the subsequent end of ECYB. But in the final years I had to travel nationwide for several months and bought our last Jag, a second-hand 3.8 S-Type with wire wheels in white. This was the car that I had the radio telephone installed in and would use the phone while parked in our own drive at home. Various cheap cars followed. Circumstances and constant pressure prevented my even thinking about taking more photographs. There was a Citroen GS Estate, another brilliant car of unsurpassed design and performance. Then we moved house and the next was a more modest car from Bullwinkles, Bullwinkles of Bormba, a Citroen Diane, uh, the more upmarket version of the 2CV. We toured northern France in this very high mileage machine and Ruth used it for her daily work as an agency nurse, nurse up and down the county of Lincolnshire. Our next MG was PPT959M and came from my earnings with the Lincolnshire Standard Skegness Extra contract. 
in fact I bought it um, having seen the uh, second-hand advert go over the desk at the newspaper I managed to buy the car before it even went in the paper at the same time I'd bought a very second-hand Mark 1 Ford Escort Estate for my general running about for the newspaper. This model has increased in price recently astronomically, far more than anybody would expect in the 1980s. I did buy another NGB GT, but this time, and parked it in our old piggeries. This one was very nice and came through a contact at Palmer & Bell at Butterwick. It was a good condition and an early car with wire wheels and sunroof. I really should have kept this one, but my sister pressurised me to sell it to her, and I did. The second MG I've sold to her, the first being my lovely restored 1934 TA, and the second one I've regretted doing so. Will one ever learn? There we are, that's the end of that little story brought to you by Cracker Books, written and read by Keith Sanders. There are over 100 more free audio stories to listen to on this Buzzsprout site. Have a look at Cracker Books on their Facebook page for details of your free book downloads. All Cracker Books products are being turned into page-turning ebooks, and you can download them free on any device you use and read them anywhere at any time. Also, free videos to watch on the short story man Keith Sanders on YouTube, including many exclusive heavy horse videos. Thank you for listening.